אינטואישן, אה? יא, סיזון 8, אה? סיזון 8. היי, זה אגן רוקש, וזה קאצ'ינג דה נקסט וייב פודקאסט, כבר נדסקס דה פיוטר אוף דיזיין. it for a while now yeah exactly absolutely and this season is very interesting and very unusual again I would say well you pick subjects that are difficult so mm. actually this is not me picking the subject it was the subject that picked me so why are we talking about it <laughs> this time around I don't know if you know the book which is called the artist's way by Julia Cameron The book was written more or less 25 years ago, and it's an exercise in discovering or recovering your creativity. And since I've been kind of not really understanding myself with respect to my intuition after the publication of the book, Of your book. Of my book, The Umami Strategy, which this feeling I want to investigate with one of our guests, uh, Anne Morgan, who is a writer herself, and I hope that she will explain why I felt the way I did. She was your mentor when writing that book, right? She was, yeah, yeah. It was actually really interesting because she's a fiction writer. She wrote a non-fiction book as well, but uh, mainly she's a fiction writer, and she decided that she's going to mentor me. And I must say that was absolutely amazing. And if anyone is the first time book writer, I sincerely recommend having a writing mentor who helps you just figure out what the hell you want to say. So it's a different job than the editor. Yes. Anyway, so basically as a part of trying to understand this storm of emotions that was passing through me, I've decided to do the course of the artist's way, which is like a... 12-week course where you do exercises and you try to understand yourself better and your creativity and your creative goals and artistic way and so on. That's the morning writing this, thing. Yeah, this is exactly right? the morning writing. And one of the discoveries for myself was that I started listening to my intuition more. So I, I really started, first of all, hearing my intuition, which was not necessarily always the case. But also following it and I can see how I'm triggered to take different decisions these days than I would otherwise be if I was only following my thinking brain and my logic and my like, the professional approach to this. So I started reading a bit about intuition. I was curious whether this is something other people think about as well and also... What do they think about it and whether they listen to it or not? So how about yeah? Do you listen to your intuition? Yes. <laughs> He yeah. said after a long pause. <laughs> <laughs> it's a tricky subject a little bit. I don't have it figured out, but that's why we are having this season, right? Mm-hmm. Because intuition is something that is... most of the time put in opposition to logical and methodical thinking. But I don't think these are the opposites. There is a connection between them. 
I hope we get to understand it better after this season is over. But there is a term that you and me, we used for years. It was feeding the intuition. Mm -hmm. So there is something about it that I agree that it is subconscious, but it doesn't mean it's illogical or it's not connected to the professional brain or however you named it, that part that we think we have control over, that we are conscious <laughs> of. <laughs> and there is a, definitely a connection between them. I have been always a person who would try to think everything through. That's true. I can concur. But for me, this kind of trust in the intuition developed in parallel quite a while ago. But for a long time, I was really suspicious about it. That, you know, I would say, ah, it's probably going to work like that. Or the outcome will be probably like this. And then more often than not, it wasn't completely off. It was, I don't want to say that it was always precise. So this kind of intuitive thinking about outcomes was strangely aligned with the outcomes themselves. Mm -hmm. And if I thought about it, that would kind of make sense. So there, there is some connection between those two. Yeah. So I would like to unpack what you said from two perspectives. One is intuition common sense. And then the second is, is intuition plus this logical thinking, something that we can call more holistic approach to seeing the world? For the first question, we're heading for the language trap. We had a season on common sense. Uh, if we stick to the English meaning, that it is something that is common, then intuition is not the same thing. Because this, this commonality excludes that you and I might have different intuitions. Mm -hmm. But if I switch to the Polish meaning of a common sense, which translates better into kind of a healthy sense, mm -hmm. Then I see a connection there. That there is some part of our brain that we are not completely conscious of what's going on inside, but it can feed you good ideas. I wonder if the older you are, the better that thing is. Because if this is true, that there is some leakage between the kind of <laughs> conscious brain <laughs> and the unconscious that we call intuition. And then if like most people, we learn by our mistakes or like at least the outcomes that are different from what we expected. So in time, it should be stronger. And if I think about the experts that I have met, there is definitely something there. Because if you have an expert, and this is actually how you also define an expert, right? You come for an advice and they will tell you, hmm, I think it will be 42. <laughs> and not because it's an <laughs> answer for everything. And there will be... That would be a perfect answer for any <laughs> consultant, right? <laughs> Oh, gosh. But the experts can be like real experts can be roughly right, just shooting from the hip. I remember this presentation by one of the agile gurus, and I never remember his name. You will remember in a second when I say when he's talking about the Shuhari model. Alistair Coburn. Yes. When he talks about the newbies, so the Shu, Ha, which is like the advanced and then expert, he always says that the expert is, you know, but you don't know how you know, really, right? Yeah, you can go back and unpack it, but it, it's the, the metaphor, it's not a metaphor. The model is taken from martial arts and then you do something and then later you can rationalize. Mm -hmm. So there's one thing that kind of connects 
for me with intuition that I've been thinking about. And this is listening to our bodies and listening to more than just the noise that our head makes. And often our bodies are telling a lot of things to us and we tend to ignore it until often it's maybe not too late, but at least late. Is there a connection for you between this intuitive thinking and this listening to your body? Before I even try to answer it, I would like expand this question. So when we started talking about this intuition, I contrasted the logical active thinking versus an answer that comes to you. But it's still on a kind of this logical realm. You mentioned body, but there is also something about the emotional responses that you have. Mm -hmm. And I'm curious about these three, not specifically singling out the body, but also the emotions, because I think the body and the emotions, they are actually connected. So you sneaked away from giving me an answer. (laughs) I can only give an obvious one that pay attention (laughs) to my body. I can definitely figure out the emotion that I might have not been aware of. So sometimes it's easier to get to the emotion via the body rather than directly. And a surprising thing that I I discovered, it was shown to me many years ago during one of those professional development courses we had been subjects of in the Netherlands, that your body influences how you feel. It's a listening device, but it also can be a kind of an acting device. And for me, the exercise was we were supposed to play out some negotiations scene. And I was really nervous about this. And then we did the first time with a, it was, I think it was a professional trainer or even a trainer was separate and an actor was your opponent. So it was really tough. And the first round went really badly. And then one of the advices was just to sit down on a chair. I was sitting all the time, but to put both feet on the ground, kind of firmly, not curl them under the chair. And this feeling of being grounded, it just changed the whole attitude. Mm. It was really weird, especially if, uh, if I'm uh, at a conference. Oh, it doesn't happen anymore that much. But it will I, come back. It will come back. But like, you know, big scene, you know, many people. I always feel this little bit tinkling, even if I know I'm well prepared. But then standing there like kind of strongly, it really helps. It's called Superman position or Superwoman position. I remember you telling something about the dinosaur yeah, the, the tail one, as well. Yes, yeah. <laughs> that was the preparation for TEDx Warsaw so many years ago. And I was uh, being trained by a British actor. And he, apart from a number of crazy exercises he was doing with me, one was like, I should be standing on the scene as if I was leaning over the dinosaur tail that just grows out of my bottom And that was really amazing. It was just kind of allowing me to breathe better and then therefore be more calm in my head. So you are right that there is absolutely a link between how we feel physically and how we react emotionally. I do hope that we will unpack this as well with one of our guests. I would love that. There is a very interesting development in the field of psychology of emotion in the recent years. Recent years, meaning 20. (laughs) For research, it's relatively fresh. Yeah. So the old way of thinking about emotions as being our primitive reactions to situations is kind of being discarded these days. And uh, what is being told is the research of uh, Professor Barrett Feldman, that we construct our emotions. So actually that we have expectations, You expect that something is going to happen 
in some way, like for example, when you are standing on this stage in front of the crowd with large screen, uh, because you used to be stressed about it, your brain projects that you are going to be stressed again. And the brain projects it because it wants to know how much energy it's going to cost it to run you through that show. <laughs> so basically, as a trigger, the chemical reaction happens in your body, which is probably adrenaline rush, which makes your, it's called vagus nerve, contract, which makes you tense. And then you're standing there like, you know, completely like all your muscles are ready for the fight because you have to go and perform. And then you get an emotion which might be, um, sometimes anger, sometimes fear, sometimes shyness. These are all the emotions that we get from this process of our brain trying to figure out how much energy it's going to cost it to perform. And the interesting thing is that our brain is quite bad at judging that. So probably the fact that you are still stressed standing there is not that you are not prepared or you have a fear of performing. It's just that your brain still remembers the adrenaline rush from the times when you were performing for the first 10, 20 times where this stress was actually quite real. And right now it's not real anymore, but still you get it. As long as you are talking about this one, then it is a stress in a broad sense, but it's a positive. I mean, it's not like pleasant thing, but it's not unpleasant, but it makes me feel prepared. So maybe this is like, the next rationalization of the brain, but I think it's it's helpful. Mm -hmm. But we are drifting away from the <laughs> yeah, intu intuition, right? Yeah. right? yeah. But it connects in a way to something that I've been also thinking about when I was thinking about the season, which is the cognitive biases and system one and system two thinking that was described by Daniel Kahneman and Amos Tversky. And the fact that this intuitive thinking sometimes gets us to fall into the traps of cognitive biases and seeing only a fraction of what's in front of us rather than really understanding the full picture. So I think that there is a, this side of intuition as well. Are you saying that intuition pushes us towards these cognitive biases or we react triggered by these biases and we call it intuition? I would say the other thing. All right. So it's an unconscious decision but these biases and intuition seems to be different things. I don't know. They Seriously, could be different. All right. They could be different things, but I have absolutely no, no clue, really. Okay, so we've been talking about uh, intuition, this bodily intuition, and there's one other aspect to it that I'm really interested in. And I also hope to unpack it with one of our guests, which is understanding the nonverbal signals from others. Apparently, majority of the communication that we are being exposed to comes from the nonverbal signals and not the verbal signals. It's like 90-something percent that comes from the nonverbal communication. And this is such an interesting thing. How do we not know that we react to this? I, I wouldn't go that far as saying that we don't know, because if I was like during this conversation, I would be just looking over there. I'm looking to my side now. Then you would react to this because it would feel like I was not paying attention. So I think we, we react to the difference between what we expect to see. Mm. So again, we are coming to those expectations. Mm, interesting. But expectation here as in coherence, in a sense that if I'm 
trying to engage in a conversation with you, then it's not an unusual expectation that I would like to have your attention, right? Otherwise, mm-hmm. there is no communication. So I don't want to take it into this field of expectations with a big E. You know, we've got micro expression and all these things. So like, I'm sure that most of it, we are not consciously perceiving and still reacting to it. So there is this knowledge that's embedded in us, which gives us a lot of clues. Mm-hmm. And particularly it happens in social situations when you are not like one-on-one like we are right now, but we are, like we are in a group of people and suddenly you kind of almost see the dynamic of what's going on without really listening to what people are saying. And you can see whether people are having a good time or like, you know, they are stressed or they are bored to their tears <laughs> or, you know, all the above. And that seems universal because if the conversation will be in a different language you have no idea about, you probably could pick most of it. Yeah. Fascinating, right? Mm-hmm. And one of our guests is an actor who is also doing a lot of improv. Mm. And in improv, this is exactly oh, yeah. the thing, right? Like you have to read the signals. So I'm so curious to learn a bit more about his technique and how you sharpen your intuition in order to be able to do good improv. Yeah, jazz musicians come to mind, but we don't know any. Yeah. And there is one other aspect of intuition that I'm really curious about. And this is the combination of intuition and decision making and intuition and organizational wisdom. Like, is there a place for intuition in any enterprise or not? How do you see that? Mm. There is definitely room for something that is difficult to describe precisely in an organization and it's broadly known as a company culture. Like, you know, we don't do things like that. We do things like this. And I don't think this can be ever stated precisely. Maybe some examples could be given, but there is something about the, if people fit with the culture, they will notice that something doesn't fit there and they won't be probably able to explain it quickly without thinking but that feeling will be there like immediately so intuitive yeah so i'll push it a step further what do you think about intuitive leadership or leading with intuition Uh, (laughs) you want to paint me into that corner (laughs) yes i don't know it could be a good subject for a for me talking about it for an hour just trying to figure out what i think (laughs) My first intuitive answer Mm -hmm. (laughs) is that leadership could be split into a number of areas, let's put it that way. And some of them could use much more of the kind of intuitive approach and some of them could use much less intuitive approach and it happens most of the time. Could you give an example of both? Yeah. It will be just very broad examples and are obviously wrong, but they are precisely wrong, but approximately right. (laughs) (laughs) One area is around any kind of appraisal of people that is quite often put into kind of strict numbers and targets and try to be very precise. And it doesn't capture what's most important. It's like, like these people cooperate with others. If you're talking about the knowledge workers, that's the thing that that is really important and is usually not caught by this. On the other hand, if I'm thinking about 
decisions around the direction of the company, like a strategy or a product, decisions where to go, these are surprisingly very often taken completely intuitively or by the highest paid person in the room, while there is plenty of room to feed more data and more of this unambiguous thinking and also discussion in order to inform this decision. They still will be probably to a large extent intuitive, but there is a lot that you can feed that intuition and a lot of basically angles to look at your decisions that most people don't, don't take. It reminds me of a podcast that we've listened to, which was a conversation with Daniel Kahneman, who mentioned that we are not able to overcome our, our cognitive biases. It's just impossible. This is the way for a brain to keep cool. And the way to limit the impact of these biases and what he calls intuitive decision-making is to delay the intuition, as he calls it. So basically, give it as much data beforehand. So when we take a decision, which is most of the case an intuitive decision, this intuition is actually well-fed rather than starving. So it's not really about delaying. It's more about feeding it. Because just taking the same intuitive decision like a week or a month later is not going to change much. I think what he had in mind is that as humans, we have a tendency to jump to solutions very quickly. Mm -hmm. So whenever we are about to take a decision, we tend to take this decision very quickly. And then we fall into the bias, which is called the confirmation bias. So basically, we start looking for the data that confirms the decision that we made. So as I understood what Kahneman was saying was that before you even allow yourself to take a decision, I'm talking about 10 minutes or maybe an hour or maybe half a day or a day, not a week or a month. Depending, or, depending on the cost of the failure. Absolutely. But then you basically, you feed the data and before you say, okay, like I'm deciding, you actually get to look at the different aspects of it and ponder about them. And only after you have been thoroughly pondered, <laughs> only then you allow yourself to take the decision. So I think that that's more or less the... That, what that's what you... I understand as mm -hmm. well. But, yeah. but just the word delaying is not enough. It's the very specific way of yeah. delaying. It, yes, yeah. I agree. Okay, so a lot of different angles to look at. And finally, I know that I don't know. Because <laughs> there, were, there were seasons before that we thought that would be easy and then our minds were blown by our guests. Yeah. Now I'm already pre-blown. <laughs> <laughs> I know that I'm missing many things. I'm really looking mm. forward to all these discussions. Yeah. So we hope it's going to be interesting. It's going to be definitely new for us. So we are definitely going to be surprised and our minds expanded. And uh, we hope that you will join us. And let us know what you think. We will not hear you. You will hear us soon. <laughs> and please, please let us know what do you think about the season and about our podcast. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Catching the Next Wave podcast. We would love to hear from you on Twitter at Malka6 and at DLS6. You can find more details on www.catchingthenextwavepodcast.com. <laughs> you say intuitively yes. <laughs>